This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. Hello and welcome to Take Care On Air. I'm Kath Duncan. And I'm Shane McMaster. Take Care On Air is brought to you by the Also Foundation, bringing you your weekly dose of news, views (laughs) and community sexual health talk. (laughs) And today on the show, it really is sport, sport and more sport. Though actually we have a non-sport story. You'll hear about that in a bit. Yep, so we've got a sporty smorgasbord coming up. Uh, queer rowing, queer rugby. Yeah, just getting a bit more of a sense of what's out there in our queer sporting groups in for, Melbourne. For yeah. everybody, because we're also going to be talking to the sporty dykes. We're going to be talking about how you can get involved with other queer folk into sport. I should talk. It's the sort of advice I should take myself. And so, if you've been thinking about your fitness and how cool it would be to get fitter with other gays, lesbians, bias, queers, trans folk, well, stay with us. <laughs> stay with us right here on joy. Indeed. So a great place to start is QSAM. That's the Queer Sports Alliance of Melbourne. Uh, They're an umbrella group of clubs and individuals in Melbourne's queer sports and recreation scene. Uh, They're like a one-stop shop for information about gay and lesbian sport in Melbourne. So we have President Malcolm Malcolm Campbell on the line. Hey, Malcolm. Hey, good afternoon. Now, I understand the name of QSAM has changed. Yes, we have changed our name officially, but we haven't launched it yet because we need to get a new uh, logo and website going. Um, but yes, we've changed our name from QSAM to Team Melbourne so that we um, will be in line with all other um, gay umbrella groups around Australia and around the world. They are allies their names to their city. So, for example, there's Team Sydney or there's Team LA or Team New York or Team Adelaide or something. So it means that we're recognised locally and internationally. For example, if any of our member clubs go to uh, a gay games or an out game, then they know that we're from Team Melbourne rather than um, Team QSAM because I think, where the hell's that? (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I can understand that. Now, does it really matter if you exercise with other gay and lesbian queer folk? Like, why is that a thing that you're recommending? We recommend anybody exercise and whether you exercise with your straight clubs or with your gay clubs, it's your own choice. But um, gay clubs give people who may be a bit shy because of their sexuality um, the opportunity to get fit or play sport or socialise with um people of their own sexuality and feel comfortable in that space because you know sometimes people don't come out because they don't feel comfortable in the the sporting environment within the within the uh, straight community yeah so imagine that homophobia would be a real issue for people like wanting to participate in mainstream sports uh so I understand that you assist people who are experiencing those kinds of issues. How's that going? Um, well, we've been involved in supporting studies regarding that. There was um, the Come Out and Play study that um, we helped. Um, oh, great title. Yes, yes, it was. Um, it was run by um, Dr Caroline Simon, who's a, um, a Melbourne academic specialised in gay and lesbian sport. So, yes, we supported that. Um, so what did that study the, involve? Uh, it involved a study with a survey that they did online and it was encouraging people to f- complete the survey so that there was 
some data out there because in Australia there hasn't been any data out there regarding homophobia in sport and you know, the report was released um, a couple of years ago. So we supported that but we, we actually find that um, within some of our sporting groups they are a, say a gay club and they participate in the straight sporting competitions for example the rowers participate against other straight rowing clubs or the swimmers participate against other straight swimming clubs and depending on the sport it uh, determines what kind of homophobia there is but people are more and more accepting now so it's um it's not as bad as it used to be so um, no things are good okay so queer sports alliance melbourne or team melbourne as you yeah. now know now you're, you're mainly an information service. How does that work? Do people ring in or turn up? Or um, We have a website um, which is um, queersportsmelbourne.org and you know, we get a lot of um, inquiries from our website for people m- moving to Melbourne or people out there in the, the world that don't know about queer sport um, and they come to our website and it shows who our members are and gives information about with links to them or we often get inquiries from people about sports that aren't uh, a formulated club and we encourage them to to form into a club so we've helped in the past um, the rugby club form the Melbourne Chargers who you're having later oh yes and we helped the Sporty Dykes form because we um, received a grant to encourage um, women's participation in sport and um, with the age of Facebook and the internet um, that group um, is quite is thriving uh, we've also helped uh, in the past the soccer club we get a lot of inquiries about soccer and there's a, a lesbian netball group that's um, formed so we've been helping them along their way so yeah, yeah it's quite a um, variety of different groups out there yeah that's right and look it takes, it takes a few committed individuals in a particular sport to get it going um, but we're there to help them because some of them uh, have no idea about what to do um, there's also a badminton group that we've um, assisted as well. So. Badminton. Now, in the material about the, uh, the the club, you've you've said that sport and recreation are agents for social change. How how do you explain that? By playing sport, um, we can show that um, we're not just you know the, the vision you see on on the TV during Mardi Gras of everyone just. And having a good time on a on a float, you know, it shows that um, we're we're in every uh, every walk of life. We're professionals. We're also playing sport out there and getting getting ourselves noticed to show that we are normal people. Everyone's normal, no matter what your sexuality, religion is, or whatever. Fantastic. Thanks, Malcolm. Mm. That's Malcolm Campbell there, president of, uh, well, you'll probably find them on the web still as uh, Queer Sports Alliance Melbourne or QSAM, about to change their name. You're listening to Take Care On Air and we're going, we're going all sporty today, aren't we, Shane? Yeah, that's right. And I'm, I'm faking it madly, but this is good. You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Stay with us because we're about to tackle two very different sports at once, so to speak, rugby and rowing. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ Community Radio Station, Joy 94.9. Yeah, so rugby, it may not be the first thing that comes to mind when you think of queer sports, but the Melbourne Chargers are here to change all that. Formed in 2009 to create a team where players could be accepted with whatever their sexuality, the Chargers are also set to promote and develop rugby union in Victoria in general. And we have Chargers Club President Sam Minter with 
with us in the studio. But to mix it up a bit, we also have the Melbourne Argonauts, yes, Australia's first queer rowing club, and President Tim Hewitson on the line. Hi, Tim. Hello, how are you? Okay, so rugby and rowing. Now, I know there's not much in common between the two, but let's start with you, Sam, from the Chargers. First, like, tell us why should people, why should, oh, wait a minute, it's only guys, isn't it, that play? Uh, it is guys just at the moment, yeah, Kath. Why right. should guys play rugby instead of doing rowing? Actually, it, it is our goal <laughs> that the first thing you think of when you think of queer sports is, is rugby union. We're, we're trying to get out there and, and get engaged and, and sort of promote the message that anybody who wants to have a go should have a go at playing rugby. It's a bit brutal, though, isn't it, eh? It's a rough contact sport. That, that's the, so that's the way we of, describe it. Unlike yeah. rowing, which... Um, do, you, do you guys have much rough contact when you're out there doing the rowing thing? Oh, sometimes the oars might collide in a race or something like that. But <laughs> I don't know about um, physical contact. Maybe the boats might, but that's pretty rare. We're, um, we're all pretty genteel in that regard. We'll talk more about that in just a moment because we're, we're sort of interested in also the sort of different styles between the two games. Now, Sam, back to rugby. Can you tell us about the Chargers' five core values? Uh, oh God, you put me on the spot here. Um, I the, could the, read the, them out the, too, the, if you like. <laughs> well, it's all about inclusiveness and being open and that well, kind of idea. Yeah, yeah our core, core goal is basically promoting inclusiveness and participation within the sport of rugby union. There's historically been this barrier between uh, between the, the, the sport and this perceived homophobia barrier yeah. uh, against people getting involved in rugby union and I think it's a, a part of the reason a lot of people didn't play at school even though they might have had the opportunity um, even AFL in, in, in uh, Victoria but uh, part of our goal is trying to break down that barrier and, and provide a channel for, for gay men to get involved in, in sport and, and even though there's this perceived barrier sort of getting across the idea that it's not actually that big a stretch to get involved in a rough contact sport. It, it, it's something that anybody with a reasonable amount of you know, gusto can do. And so for rowing, I have to ask Tim, because um, we were talking about this before, is, is rowing just for kind of, you know, um, private school snot bag? Sorry to say that. Let's say there's something about rugby. <laughs> it's got that kind of image, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Can you, what sort of people get into rowing, Tim? Well, at the Argonauts, we have a, a great cross-section of people. Um, it's probably the case that um, many people uh, think of rowing as being a private school kind of sport, as you say, but it's not really the case um, anymore. Um, the Argonauts has people people from a whole wide variety of um, backgrounds and many of us have come to rowing kind of a bit late in life. Um, perhaps when we were at school we didn't have the opportunity to row or we had it, we were at a school that didn't have rowing at all and um, we've taken up rowing as we've got um, perhaps a bit older and, and in very much enjoy the kind of sport that it is. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be you know, going down the water um, under your own propulsion if you like in the boat and because it's, it's mostly a team sport you get a chance to interact with lots of other people with lots of other different skills and talents in rowing as well. Yes, I love to go along the Yarra and see all the rowing teams out there. I think it's the same with, with football, actually. that A lot of people come to it later in life because there's this barrier at school and they think, well, I'd like to get involved because rugby and, and, and I guess rowing have this great camaraderie around it. You know, team sport, you go out there on a, on a Saturday morning and you compete with your mates. But 
there's this barrier to, to that and this sort of macho thing around it. And, and I guess we're, what we're both trying to do is break that down and say, well, actually, there's a way to get involved in that and a way to, a way to experience that that's accessible to, to gay people, which previously I guess there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Now, Sam, I was looking at your, um, your sort of competitions you've been in because um, the Melbourne Chargers, they've completed two full seasons in the Victorian Rugby Union competition and together with the Sydney Convicts, I love that name, um, you won the 2010 Bingham Bowl competition in Minneapolis and the next sort of journey is to go off to Manchester uh, in mid this year to represent Melbourne for the first time ever in the Bingham Cup tournament so you guys are good what's your secret I guess we play for each other we play as a team Um, I guess it's a it's a really it's a rough competitive sport and and you can't achieve anything in rugby union without teamwork and I think that's our greatest strength Hmm. So obviously we've got quite a good sort of team spirit working. Yeah, certainly. I mean, actually, as you say, it's a really exciting time for us where we're pulling the squad together to get ourselves to Manchester in just on 11 weeks' time. Um, so there's a huge buzz around the club around that. It's, it's massively exciting for us. Yes, it will be, and particularly to escape the Melbourne winter. Now, <laughs> over to the rowers. Now, the Melbourne Argonauts, you guys uh, were formed in 2001 and, uh, according to our notes, held your first AGM on a train from Melbourne to Geelong. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we did. The first one, um, I wasn't a member at the time, but uh, the first one was held on the way to the very first regatta that Argonaut members were competing at. And if I recall correctly, the name Argonauts wasn't even used at that point. We were trying to come up with a name or the guys involved were coming up with a name at that time. But but yes, that's not a myth. That really is the case back then in 2001. But we've come a long way since then. Indeed. And you've competed at the Montreal and Copenhagen Out Games. That's right. And at the Chicago Gay Games. How did you go in? those competitions? Great. Well, we got a swag of medals in both um, Montreal and Copenhagen, which was absolutely marvellous. The the events over there were were quite astonishing. We were competing with rowers from lots of different countries around the world, and um, it was pretty exciting competing, for example, at the Olympic Rowing Basin in Montreal. That was pretty special. And then on this um, beautiful lake environment in Copenhagen. And we also had a group of um, rowers, including myself, actually, who went to Boston in in um, October, just gone, uh, to compete in the Head of the Charles Regatta, which is probably the biggest rowing regatta in the world. So that was pretty exciting to be there with 900 other crews from around the world and, you know, flying down, well, not flying, but rowing down the um, Charles River right through the centre of Boston. Um, it was a pretty amazing experience. So it's, it's taken us a long way and in, in a long path that many of us perhaps didn't expect when we first got involved in rowing. Rowing and rugby, where else could you be? But on Joy, of course, with Take Care On Air. I'm Kath Duncan and I have Shane McMaster with me as well. And we're talking to Sam Minter from... The Melbourne Chargers, exactly. The rugby team we should all we should all join. Apparently, if we want a bit of contact sport, I think it's going to be very popular. And Tim Hewitson is on the line from the Melbourne Argonauts, and he's heavily into rowing. Yes, so Tim, I understand that you're also having a big uh, regatta at the Albert Park Lake next month. We are indeed. We're um, joint hosts of the of what's now become the annual Albert Park Lake Regatta. Our club rooms and our boats and so on are actually um, on the Albert Park Lake itself, so we um, we regularly train and down there. So it's a great chance for us to invite other clubs from all over Victoria to come and join us for um, this annual event, and um, it's terrific. It's only been in the last few years that competitive rowing has returned to Albert Park Lake after many years absence but there's now about three or four clubs positioned around the lake which uh, contribute to all of this. 
Mm. And uh, we're looking forward to, um, as I say, welcoming lots of other clubs and getting out there and giving it a good red-hot go ourselves to see if we can win some medals too. I want to ask about rugby players, you know, in Australia in general, who, like, has there always been that sort of pressure for rugby players and those sort of, like, big, beefy guys to kind of be in the closet, do you think, in general? Like in main, what do you call it? Mainstream competitions. Mainstream rugby. Uh, I guess, yes, is the short answer. And that's that's rapidly changing. Uh, we've we've had a couple of high-profile people come out. Um, Ian Robertson, Rugby League, I think about a de- decade ago. Um, yeah, there was that Welsh player as recently well. Recently, yeah. Thomas, uh, who's a highly uh, decorated uh, Welsh player, played for the British and Irish Lions. He recently came out. He's switched to, to league now. Um, and there's, uh, a, I think, quite a high-profile English player that's recently come out, and he's um, he said he's gay. So it's starting to change, and the and the popularity of the Bingham Cup and the profile of the Bingham Cup is probably testament to that. I mean, there was eight teams competing in the first one in 2002. Now there's probably about 40 gay wow. gay identifying teams um, playing in the in the six Bingham Cup in Manchester. So the profile is gay is 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 really increasing, and I, I think it's. Uh, I don't know. It's testament to the fact that union is is probably the more progressive of the the football codes. Interesting. And this, I mean, I imagine row, I see rowing as a bit more sort of a feat and delicate or something or other. Is it the same? <laughs> well, there was that movie, yeah. <laughs> that queer movie yeah, about is rowing. It, yeah. Is it the same? Um, do, do you do you also think like professionals? I know like you've got there the the gay and lesbian like queer rowing team. Do you think there are people dealing with homophobia in, in the sport in general, Tim? Or, or well, is there, it a... there certainly has been and I think some of the um, earlier members of the Argonauts and um, were pretty instrumental in working to change the culture around rowing um, in Victoria because well it's without making too obvious a point, I think when we were starting out the perhaps acceptance or the understanding of um, a gay rowing group in rowing circles was much less than what it is now. Huh. And I think the um, the uh, earlier members of the Argonauts did a lot of work with the state bodies and national bodies for rowing, such that um, the the rowing hierarchy, if you like, are very aware of, of us these days. And um, we were particularly delighted when, um, after all of the work that had been going on at a regatta last year, for various reasons we couldn't actually send any crews because it clashed with a few other things and the comment we got back from the organisers was where are the Argonauts we we kind of expect the Argonauts to be here now all the time which was a really nice oh, cool. indication that that we feel um, you know pretty accepted and welcomed if you like in, in the rowing fraternity and uh, we're also one of the larger rowing clubs in Victoria at the moment with um, 80 members um, so you know, we, we do tend to make our, our presence felt and we have a fairly active Learn to Row program and an active um, social rowing program as well. We like a bit of that. And we have many crews out re- training regularly on, on Albert Park Lake. Not this week, of course, because the Grand Prix closed the lake for a week, but never mind. We'll be back there next week. Hell yeah. That's excellent. Okay, so one last question to wrap it up. Uh, Tim and Sam, I just want to put rowing and rugby head-to-head here and just sort of, if you could just each like give a reason, maybe Sam, if you go first, like a reason why uh, 
you know, people should get involved with rugby, say, over rowing and vice versa. So, <laughs> I'm glad so I, said, I don't why, think why it's about I... the, the gay sporting organisations competing with one another. But uh, I mean, obviously, I'm very passionate about rugby. I think it's a it's a great sport, and if you're up to the contact, it's a really, really rewarding experience as a player going out as a team of 15 people trying to trying to make a, a, a team goal happen. Over over a course of you know fifty minutes, also going towards a common goal, that camaraderie, that kind of idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and and the and the post game stuff is is awesome as well. You know the the you know the singing and the drinking and the you know we drink responsibly, of course. But, you know, but, you know, in, in the end of season, well, no, not so much. Yeah, it's a pretty strong. Argument. It's a pretty strong. Argument. That, that, the responsibility with the singing isn't quite as important. But you know, and we, we do an end of season trip every year, and it's you know it's a lot of fun. Of course, the Bingham Cup tours are, are amazing. They're an amazing experience as a player. Uh, and, and it's a very rare thing for a suburban-level rugby player to be able to represent your country, and, and, and Tim will mm. sort of testify to that, yeah. uh, at an international com- you know, competition. It's an uh, opportunity that it's, that's, uh, I guess, particular to gay sporting teams. Okay, so we have camaraderie on the rugby side. Uh, Tim, uh, why should people get involved with rowing? Well, it's a similar kind of thing. Um, I, I don't think it's so much competition between sports. It's, you know, whichever people prefer. From from my point of view is that I don't think there's anything nicer than being in the men's eight um, and skimming along the top of the water um, at full speed with the oars all moving together and either the, the sun setting behind you or the moon coming up um, in the morning or going down in the morning. It's... Um, quite a, a beautiful experience. I love rowing in men's eights. We also have a very strong social program as well um, as many of the other clubs do and uh, again the chance to compete in a variety of events both national and international when for many of us we come from a, a background where that wasn't ever, we, we never thought that was going to be likely. Um, many of us are working towards Antwerp, the next lot of out games in um, I think it's 2013 um, so you know, if the idea of, of being in a boat uh, under self-propulsion, skimming along the water at top speed with you seven other guys earlier. in the boat. <laughs> Sorry? You said flying earlier. Well, there you go. Flying, whatever you want. Oh, I feel like I'm flying along anyway. So, so again, there's a social focus with a great... Uh, backdrop, you know, while you're rowing. Is that, that's kind of the idea mm. with rowing? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I thought it was quite poetic, actually. Yeah. And so just, just finally, uh, Sam, how do people get in touch with you guys? Uh, best way is through our website, www.melbournechargers.org. Very straightforward. Uh, and they can get in touch with us and, and we'll, we'll get back with information about training. Actually, there's a lot of information about us and about rugby on, on the website, but um, get in touch if you need more. Tops. And Tim? www.melbournargonauts.com. Same deal all of the information that people need to get involved and to take part in the next Learn to Row program um, is available online and there's a lot of information too about the nature of the club, its history and the kind of club it really is. So go and have a look at that and come along. Oh, indeed you do. Sometimes I wish I was a boy. All that sweating and contact and rowing and flying and so forth. Well, we have lots of girls in the Argonauts too. I'll be there. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I present certain challenges, but we won't go into that on air at the moment. Of course, you're with uh, Take Care on Air on Joy. Kath Duncan and Shane McMaster coming at you. And in case you're wondering where are the girls at, coming up, Sporty Dykes. Take care out there. Take care out there. Individual health and well-being through stronger community endeavours. Yeah, so we've heard a bit from the guys. And now, ladies, if you're wanting to get a bit sporty and get involved with your local queer sporting groups, there's a group set up just for you. Uh, joining us on the line today, we have Jennifer Broadhurst from Sporty Dykes. Hey, Jennifer. 
Hello, how are you? Very well. Now, you guys have been around for three years and uh, my notes say that you started after receiving a grant from the Asia Pacific Out Games. Tell us a bit about the genesis of the club. Yes, well, that's right. It was a little bit before my time, actually, but we got a grant from the Asia Pacific Out Games about three years ago and a few other ladies got together and put Sporty Dykes forward as a group. And why did you want to sort of do that anyway? What was the, the, you know, the interest about being with other dykes? Yeah, it was an idea of creating a, a social and active space outside of, you know, the, the bar scene, the club scene, a different kind of uh, lesbian environment that people can engage in and, and look after their fitness as well, do something healthy. So what sort of activities do you do? Yeah, we do a different sport every month yeah. and there's not much of a limit on that. We do basketball, volleyball, badminton, we also do frisbee, rowing, cycling, bushwalking. It's a real mix. Do you have to be really fit to join? No, that's the good thing. We're really casual about it. People can get a real workout if they want to and we have a lot of really, you know, fit people come along. But we also have people that just want to have a laugh, just want to have fun, want to toss a ball around and, you know, not bother, not bothered about whether they make a goal. Mm. And I hear that you always cater as well, is that correct? Uh, we don't always cater, but we do always have lunch afterwards. That's we very lesbian, to... isn't it, to have food? Yeah. I like that. Right. <laughs> Look after the stomach as well as the, the body, yeah? Oh, yeah? That's right. Well, you know, it's, it's a good thing to socialise afterwards. We go to a cafe, we have lunch, and we usually go to gay or lesbian-owned cafes where possible. Now, you guys meet once a month. It's about every third Sunday? That's correct. And can you tell us a bit about how you're structured? And, like, do you have a president and a treasurer and, and all that? And do people vote? How does it work? Yeah, not exactly. We have a committee. Um, we are in, in need of one more committee member as well, if anyone oh, okay. would be interested. <laughs> um, we receive grants from various organisations. So we have um, a designated committee member that looks after the treasury and another who does the online sort of management and so on. But other than that, it's quite informal. All of our events are advertised just through Facebook predominantly and it sort of just runs its course each month quite easily. What if people turn up who actually want to do, you know, full-on training and competitive sports? Because it sounds like it's more about sort of the social thing and getting fit. Is, is that, am I getting the right picture? Um, well, that's part of it, but we try at, at pretty much every month the event that we have to co-host with another sports team. So, for example, when we have our tennis uh, gig in April, we co-host with the Ace Girls. So people that are more interested in taking the sport further, joining a team, you know, becoming a bit more involved, can then have those links and follow through. Oh, that's a great idea. It's very good. Yeah, so you're kind of like a gateway group where people have an interest in the sport in a general sense can go along and try something out and if they like it, they can take it up further with a more committed group, like a tennis group or... Is that the idea or...? Yeah, it is, pretty much. And we're good friends with QSAM as well, which help, you know, get, get a lot more um, sort of teams behind us as well and more avenues for women to, you know, follow up with their interests. So we provide a quite a good sort of entry point. If people are curious, but a bit anxious, not sure, and don't want to go straight into you know, a, a team straight away. You want to just give it a go first. We were talking a bit earlier to uh, Sam Minter from uh, the Melbourne Chargers about whether there is a pressure on uh, on sports, on guys in sport to, to remain in the closet. Do you ever get, do you get stories from members about that sort of pressure or is it different for lesbians? Is it, is it the same? How does that work? 
It probably depends on the sport and the team and the environment. Um, personally, I haven't experienced oh. that and I haven't really heard many stories, but okay. I'm sure it, it is still, you know, a, a problem and, you know, a circumstance that people, you know, endure nonetheless. I just haven't had personal contact with that. Yeah, so I understand that there's a few interesting things coming up for the group. I think you've got bushwalking this month. Is That's that right, this Sunday. Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, so we will be meeting at Grand's Picnic Ground at 11am and we will be joining with the Walking Women who are a, a women-based, not exclusively lesbian, but always women walking group and they walk every Sunday and we will be co-hosting with them to have a bushwalk through the Dandenongs. Yeah, and I understand you're trying to set up like uh, indoor rock climbing and roller derby later in the year? That's right, we are. We're looking into that. Les Rock uh, are hoping that we can team up with them and roller derby is an interesting avenue we want to yeah, it all sounds... figure out as well, but we haven't got that one pegged yet. Yeah, roller derby seems to be getting very popular and I'm, I'm wondering if it's because it's sort of a bit of a contact kind of aggressive sport and some people really like that. I think it's Drew Barrymore, that movie. Bruce. Ah, uh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Everyone wants to be Drew or have Drew. Jennifer, I understand it's your birthday today. It is, yes. Oh, marvellous. Happy broadcasty joy birthday to Jennifer <laughs> Broadhurst out there from Sporty Dykes. Now, um, you've said the best way to get in touch with you guys is via Facebook? That's right. Um, Facebook is the main avenue. We have a private email list as well. Um, you can find me on the Facebook page and my email is on my page, which you can access without being a member of Facebook or a friend with me. So if you prefer to find information that way, that's fine. But we, everything is um, very open on Facebook, all details. Oh, you've got to love Facebook. Thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. Fantastic. Have a great day, guys. Thank you, Jennifer Broadhurst there from Sporty Dykes. Look them up on Facebook. And coming up, our, our non-sports story of the day, though perhaps Shane might work it in anyway. What is it like being the child of gay parents? We'll be talking to a counsellor who runs a group called Resilient Rainbow Kids. Stay with us on Joy. And don't forget, if you want to find out more about gay and lesbian, transgender, bi, queer sexual health. You can also follow Take Care out there on Facebook and Twitter. You left out intersex. Ha ha, got you. Oh, intersex too. We're all inclusive here on, <laughs> on the show. Yeah, we certainly are. But yeah, if you want to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, our username for both Facebook and Twitter is Care Out There. You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station, Joy 94.9. We're now shifting our focus to the burbs. Uh, so instead of... Um, Burbs and babes. Burbs and babes, Well, babies. Yeah. yeah, so instead of the usual rural roundup with Damien Stevens, we're now going to have a chat with Vivian Ray. So it can be a journey coming to terms with your own sexuality, uh, but what's it like for the kids of people who are coming to terms with their sexuality? Uh, Vivian Ray is a trained teacher and counsellor with a social work master's degree. She's a lesbian parent. But yeah, she's, she's done that. facilitated groups for gay and lesbian parents and their children for over many years. And these days she runs Resilient Rainbow Kids. And for more, Vivian joins us on the line. Hello there, Vivian. Hi, Kath. Hi, Shane. Hello. Hey. Hey, first, um, what sort of issues do kids face? Is it, is, it, is it fun or is it, you know, difficult? Or how would you sort of sum it up? I, I would sum it up as both. So kids um, with rainbow families often feel a sense of pride. They feel like they're special um, and their families are important to them. So on the one hand, uh, they 
they often feel a sense of belonging and, as I said, pride. But on the other, they go to school and they mix in an environment where not every child has got lesbian parents or, is, or gay, gay fathers or has even heard that there is such a thing. So um, my partner and I did research, actually, where we interviewed 48 children with um, gay or lesbian parents, and we had the research published with the Australian Institute of Family Matters. What we discovered was that children from grade prep to grade two uh, did not experience any bullying or harassment, but the difficulties for them was that children asked them questions like, what do you mean you've got two mums? That, that's not right. One of them must be your aunt. Or um, things like just telling the kids that they were wrong when they said that they had two mums or two dads. So the children didn't really know how to explain that. If they had a donor and they told friends at school that they had a donor, the kids didn't understand. In our research, we discovered that children would say to them, you've got a donut? What do you mean? Hmm. <laughs> so in the Resilient Rainbow Kids groups, um, the kids will talk about the things that come up at school and as the research discovered it still seems to be happening that children in grade prep to grade two um, find it most difficult to explain their family structure to children who have never heard of that. Uh, then um, also in the research we discovered that um, instances of bullying did begin in about grade three huh. and really went right through till year 10. Uh, after year 10, year 11 and 12 didn't happen very much at all. Uh, by that stage, year 11 and 12, students were already um, understanding those, our kind of family structures and it wasn't a big deal. And in some instances in year 11 and 12, our kids were held up as, as mascots and how wonderful it was. So things really changed then. But the bulk of schooling from grade three to year 10, um, in some instances, did prove uh, difficult and really that was on a continuum difficult from from just a little bit where um, the kids were constantly thinking just like we do each day will I come out what will I say who will I tell uh, through to kids um, in our research again have had apple cores and banana skins thrown at them rocks thrown at them and had experienced um, a lot of homophobia. So it was on a continuum. Yeah, they're all pretty heavy di issues for kids to deal with. How do you help them to yeah. overcome those issues? What sort of strategies can you give kids that young? Uh, the, the children um, are quite inspirational. They have come up with a lot of their own strategies. So in the Resilient Rainbow Kids group, the children will come up with um, issues that have occurred and then they will um, talk about what they've done. And when they all put their heads together and brainstorm and um, talk about the things that have worked and the things that haven't worked, uh, we, we come up with a whole list and then um, we practice the things that have worked. <laughs> what a great idea. And I guess that's why it's good to have a, a group of kids because they're, they're kind of all there together helping each other. They are. They are. It's... Um, they really feel a strong bond and a sense of identity and they, 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 even though they know that there's other kids like them out there and a lot of rainbow kids these days 
have got friends um, who also have gay or lesbian parents. So they're not so isolated anymore as, as it was maybe 10 years ago. Uh, and that's fantastic. But when they can all come together um, in a group and feel free to be able to talk about not just the positives, but also some of the difficulties that they have. They really um, form a, a close bond and, and learn from each other and feel like they're all in it together. And I, I really don't want to too much overemphasize um, difficulties mm. because our, our kids also um, just really, they feel good in themselves. So it is sometimes tricky to stand up to kids at school or to explain the families. Uh, and in the group, I do focus on, on the kids being assertive and coming up with ideas, and we do practice them. But I think it's a much bigger picture. So Resilient Rainbow Kids really helps the kids. But when we're looking at homophobia in schools, uh, it, it can't just be left to the kids to deal with that. And it, and it isn't. There are um, organisations around that are focusing on school structure and are assisting schools to make their, pla their schools a safer place for kids with gay and lesbian parents. Mm, so, that bigger picture is very important. Yeah, so we've talked a bit about the kids. Um, do you also help with the parents? Like, what sort of support do you offer them? Yeah, um, usually before the, the kids come to the group, there is a parent workshop uh, the weekend before. And there, um, the parents and I um, talk about what they know of what's going on for their children and their strength, the strengths of their children, the difficulties, if there are any, that they may be coming up against. And we look at, um, at resilience, at building resilience in children and what the research is. Uh, and a lot of the parents are already doing exactly what the research says needs, needs to be done. And so they just get reassured that, you know, they're doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah, it's good to get, get that reassurance, yeah. Now, Vivian, yeah. we're going to have to leave it there. We've been talking to Vivian Ray, who's a, uh, a counsellor and works with Resilient Rainbow Kids. Now, you can find them on Facebook. Or for more information about the service, you can go to www.fairfieldcounselling.com.au, all one word there, with Fairfield Counselling. And that brings us very close to the end of another Take Care On Air. You've been listening to me, that's Kath Duncan, and Shane McMaster. We'd like to thank our executive producer, Crusader Hillis, and our panel operator, of course, the Gazman, woo, for keeping us keeping us in order. Next week, I believe we're going to be doing a bit more sport, Shane, as if we haven't had enough, but there's still this the whole yeah, world of that there. The water polo team, Melbourne Surge, we're talking oh, wow. to uh, the soccer club as well, the Rovers. Yeah, a lot coming up next water week. Water polo, well. we can really we can really have a bit of a listen to them. Sorry, I've always been fascinated by water polo. Anyway, right now, stay with Joy. Lots more music coming up. Have a great day. Also presents Take Care On Air. Interviews, current affairs and events from across Victoria. Also is your community hub and also is proud to sponsor Joy. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.